0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate, or you can go to Buy me a Cup of Coffee slash Craig U. All of these links are also in my show notes, and for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you and promotion of something you're working on. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash CanadianHistoryX. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. The history of the Indigenous in the Lumsden area goes back at least 9,500 years. Through carbon dating of artifacts, it is believed it was that long ago that the first Indigenous began to settle in the area. Nearby to Lumsden, you can also find a stone medicine wheel and a teepee ring along the Arm River. The indigenous of the area were the Cree, Assiniboine, and Blackfoot, who often fought for territory in order to capitalize on the bison herds that moved through the area. As settlers started to arrive in the area in the late 1870s and early 1880s, the area of Lumsden was known as Happy Hollow. The name Happy Hollow wouldn't stick though, In 1889, when the Canadian Pacific Railway decided to build the railroad through the area, at that point, Happy Hollow was renamed as Lumsden in honour of Chief Engineer of the CPR, Hugh Lumsden. Originally, the plan was for Lumsden to be located three kilometres to the east, but negotiations between the CPR and the landowner caused prices to go too high, and the company chose to have Lumsden built at a different location. From this point, the community would slowly begin to grow, and on January 10th, 1889, it would become a village. Three years later, in 1892, Thomas Hill opened a general store in the community and started operating a post office. Soon after, a blacksmith shop, grain elevators, and an implements agency were established. Also in 1892, the area would receive something that would become common for the next century, a flood. In fact, throughout this episode, I will speak several times of floods, some worse than others. As the community only had a few residents at the time, though, damage was minimal. In 1897, the first doctor opened up a practice in the community, and Lumsden was well on its way to becoming an important community in the future province of Saskatchewan. For the next decade, Lumsden would go through a thriving boom period with several stately brick homes and businesses being built. In 1903, the Lumsden Plaza was built in the commercial centre of the town. For decades, it served as the core of the business district and housed a bank, several stores, and professional offices. The Balfour & Brothers General Store also operated out of the building from 1903 to 1970. The building still stands to this day and was made a municipal heritage property in 2004. In 1904, the next major flood hit the community. This is often considered to be the first major flood to hit Lumsden. The Edmonton Bolton reported, quote, This village is experiencing a flood such as the oldest residents have never before seen. At about 5 p.m., the Wascana Creek broke away, and the waters combining with the already overflowing Capel River caused the trouble. The water rose gradually in the flood, and it gave ample warning for residents to get to safety. Soon after, the water rose by one foot over the course of only a couple hours. Throughout the days that the water was rising, residents were getting livestock and belongings out of the area of the flood zone. Eventually, the track was washed away and all that was visible were the telegraph poles with the town completely flooded and only one store and the train station escaping the flood waters. In some places, the water was six feet deep and it would not be until May 19th, two weeks after the flood reached its highest point, that trains were once again moving through the area. A year after the flood hit, on March 15th, 1905, Lumsden became a town. In 1906, the Foxley Anglican Church was built near Lumsden. The congregation had existed since 1902 and services were held in a variety of locations until the church was finally built. The church became a central place in the area for social gatherings as well as church services and still operates as a church to this day. Built in the Gothic Revival style, it was made a municipal heritage property in 1983. Another church, the Kennel Anglican Church, was also built in the area around the same time. Originally named the St. Nicholas Anglican Church, it was actually located at a different site when it was built in 1900. That church was then dismantled and rebuilt at its new site in 1910. Today, the church is one of the most photographed historic churches in all of Saskatchewan and has been featured in film, tourism promotions, calendars, and books about historic sites in Western Canada. It is often used as a backdrop for wedding photos as well, and in 1983 it was made a municipal heritage property. In 1916, the specter of flooding once again came to Lumsden when waters rose, pushing dozens of families out of their homes to escape the rising water. The flood hit nearly all the cellars in the community and reached the business section, but it was 25 inches below the level hit in 1904 during that epic flood. The Winnipeg Free Press Prairie Farmer reported, quote, the water in the inundated area is now fully two feet lower than it was on Friday, and fires have been started in many of the deserted houses in order to assist the gradual drying process The same year of that flood, the Emmanuel Lutheran Church was built just outside of Lumsden. This church, built with a fieldstone foundation and brick, was constructed to serve the local congregation of Lutherans. The church was described as one of the finest rural church buildings in western Canada and it would be used for decades by residents of the area. While it is no longer used for church services, the church is open on special occasions and in 1983, like the other churches, it became a municipal heritage property. In 1948, another flood hit the area when the waters of the Capel River burst the banks and moved over the landscape. Men from all over Lumsden and the surrounding area came out to begin putting up barriers to stop the flooding water. The river had risen to the point where there was only a few inches left from the top of the dikes. Thousands of sandbags were used, including 21,000 brought in by an RCAF aircraft. The central part of the community was deserted as most of the town was out trying to fill as many sandbags as they could. From late April to early May, the town battled for 10 days to fight the flood and the seeping waters that were heading towards the town. Leaks were reported at several dikes, but all were repaired. The flood could have been much worse, and it almost was because of a muskrat. The animal had not a hole in a dam near Buffalo Pound Lake, which was holding back 19.5 million gallons of water, which was double its capacity. The break was spotted thankfully and reinforced. If it was not discovered, then Lumsden would have found itself under 8 feet of water. In 1966, Lumsden became the first community in Saskatchewan with a population between 500 and 1,500 people to be policed by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Prior to this, RCMP services were only available in communities where the population was over 1,500. Under the new agreement, the RCMP constable in the community would not be responsible for collection of license fees or license inspections. He would not collect taxes or any money except in fines, and you had nothing to do with the impounding of animals. Many in the town were happy about this as Lumsden had been dealing with transient people moving through who would break into businesses and due to the closeness of Lumsden to Regina this also brought in rowdy individuals and having the RCMP would help curb that in the community. In April 1969 word came over the radio that the community of Lumsden was to be evacuated due to another flood threatening the community. This flood, one of the worst to date, resulted in 90 Canadian Forces troops arriving from Calgary and another 70 from Moose Jaw to help the 1,100 people who were filling sandbags to protect the community. The flood was bad enough that Saskatchewan Premier Thatcher was on hand to help the community. In the community, teenagers were joining the army, the elderly and other adults to save things. Children who were on school holiday also came out to help save the school, which was in one of the lowest spots in the entire community. On top of that, four aircraft deliver 250,000 sandbags from Regina, Montreal, Calgary, and Edmonton. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of Explornet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom and uploading content. Through it all, ExplorerNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExplorerNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, Explornet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. In April 1974, the worst flood in the history of Lumsden would hit as the water started to rise over the dikes. The community got to work to construct what was called the Great Wall of Lumsden. This 20-foot tall wall, which was made of crushed car bodies and tons of rock, was used to protect various parts of the community as the water continued to rise. The dike near James Street Bridge would collapse and had to be rebuilt, and that dike had been built in 1904 and simply could not withstand the pressure of the water. At one point, enough water was funneling through Lumsden to spread a full foot of water over a 36-square-mile area. Across Canada, images of the flood and the residents fighting it were broadcast. Within the community, meals were provided free, 24 hours a day for those fighting the flood, and the women of Lumsden also maintained a canteen in the basement of the United Church. To fight the flood, a total of 116 trucks, 30 front-end loaders, 13 bulldozers, 15 scrapers, and 3 graders were used. Working around the clock, the residents and army built dikes that were 8-30 to feet in height. At the peak of the flood, 14,900 cubic feet of water a second was moving, which began to overwhelm the natural banks that could handle only 3,000 cubic feet per second, and the total cost to fight the flood was $70,000 per day, which thankfully the province paid for.
1: We've uh, evacuated 1,500-1,600 people. Uh, there's about 500 homes that have had to be abandoned. Some of them, I think, will be total write-offs. We couldn't believe it. We knew it was coming, but not this much. It might happen another 200 years, and it might not ever happen again. This is just a freak flood. Late word from CBC Radio. Radio reports will continue around the clock until the flood crisis is over. 52, the year of the foot and mouth, we had nothing to work with. 55, we had nothing to work with. And we just fought back with this here. But now, you see, these people have these big machines. Well, that's a rather different thing. There's no sleep for London tonight. The Coppell River is now rising at the rate of 6 inches an hour. The flow is... 300 cubic feet a second, and it's expected to double by morning. It's a 24-hour vigil. Dykes are being built to handle a flow of 12,000 cubic feet a second, and they'll go even higher if necessary. Bob Metcalf reporting for CBC News from Emergency Measure Headquarters in Lumsden. The National with George Finstead. Good evening.
0: Rivers, swollen by spring thaws and ice jams, continue to flood over wide
1: areas of the prairies. In the small town of Lumsden, floodwaters are expected to peak sometime tomorrow. In this spot, the Coppel River is usually 50 feet wide. Today, it's half a mile. And all this water is flowing towards Lumsden, a town of 850 people nestled in a valley. A town that tonight is valiantly fighting for its life. can give any guarantees of safety and under those circumstances I think it's imperative that the residents of those affected areas should evacuate, should remove themselves from a situation of danger because if something should fail we will have no warning and it will create a situation of immediate grave danger.
0: Well as far as we're concerned uh, we're still building dikes Uh, we have no guarantee that this is the end of the height nor the flow. There must be some headwaters there, some places pushing this stuff through pretty fast.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of people from not, you know, in laws from Regina, and all the other cities. Downs around here that came out, and they've really given a helping hand. You'd be surprised how you know one thing like this can really
0: draw the people closer together. That's what really you know got me. It really gives you a pretty good feeling. <laughs> but these people aren't licked yet. Some of them have been working for 36 hours straight. They just won't quit. Within the last two or three days, when we got the prediction of 11,000 or better, In 15 minutes, we
1: had six Euclids on their way to Lumsden. That's how quick it was to get things going. That you can't move these huge machines and the men with the danger on these narrow dikes. We have already seen one of these huge earth movers teetering on the edge of a dike. Luckily, on the dry side, more luck, they managed to drag it clear with a bulldozer. Bob Metcalf, CBC News, from the dikes in Lumsden.
0: Through the hard work of the community to protect the town, no one lost any personal property, but the decision was made to build a floodway. The floodway would be finished in 1975 with Lumsden paying 10% of the total cost. The project deepened and straightened portions of the river to prevent flooding where it would bend. Five houses also had to be removed from the community to also construct the channel that would divert floodwaters in the future. One year after the flood, a parade and sandbagging competition was held and the ribbon was cut on a new bridge and channel which would protect the community in the future from floods such as the one that hit the community in 1974. In 1988, Lumsden decided it needed a way to raise money for a new skating rink. The idea they hit on would become an annual tradition and one of the most successful annual fundraisers in the entire province. It's the Lumsden Duck Race, and each year it raises thousands of dollars for projects and charities in the area. Jerry Tompkins, one of the founders, would say, quote, I get calls all the time from people looking for fundraising ideas. I've had calls from all over North America. It's been good for the community, and it's helped put us on the map. End quote. The Duck Derby consists of rubber duckies being bought for $5. The ducks are then dropped in the Capelle River and they travel down to the finish line. The people who bought the first 10 ducks that finish the race are awarded a variety of prizes, including new vehicles. The entire derby begins with a parade, which itself has grown from a small endeavor to include bands, vintage cars, and many floats. Everything around the event also continues to evolve. Tompkins would say, quote, You can't contrive these things. You just have to let them happen. Once, we went out and painted duck prints on the street late at night. Now they do that every year. Things just keep happening, and that is the real fun of it. In all, 13,500 rubber duckies are hoisted up in the air in a metal cage and then dropped 20 meters into the water. Typically, the race takes about 30 minutes to finish, but sometimes high winds can cause the race to go for hours. The Derby has been so successful that in 1998, only 10 years after the Derby was launched, the $1.5 million arena was completely paid off.
1: Labor Day in Lumsden, it's time to party. It brings out nearly everyone in town and plenty from cities nearby. And there's some cash behind it, too. I mean, I was the winner two years ago, yeah. the first prize. You were the winner. What did you get? 20000 bucks. By now, it's a Lumsden tradition. Every year for the past 28 years, they've been doing the Duck Derby right here next to the Cabal River. And right now, you can see them Loading thousands of little tiny rubber ducks into that crate, and they're going to drop it into the river. and In a little bit, we'll see who exactly is the winner. Over sixteen thousand rubber ducks dropping into the river. Each of them have been bought at $5 each. The first 20 ducks that cross the finish line will win their owner prizes, like a cash gift of $20,000.
0: Even with the weather, we've got a ton of people coming out today. It's fantastic.
1: That may have been the starting line, but in many ways, this sports center is the real finishing line. All the proceeds of the Duck Derby goes towards the Lumsden Sports Center and recreational activities for the town all winter.
0: It helps keep the Cost down for for those programs and it's it supports capital expenditures of the rink so you know we got a new clock last year
1: making everyone in town a winner from the duck derby adrian chung cbc news lumsden
0: on may 18 2005 lumsden received a very important visitor when queen elizabeth ii visited the community as part of her tour of saskatchewan during its 100th anniversary aaron jerrock would say quote it's kind of thrilling to see the Queen in your hometown, and you can say that she's come to see you. My mum's a hairdresser in town, and this has been the talk of all the ladies when she does their hair. Quote. The Queen arrived at 1pm in her motorcade, and with Prince Philip, at a luncheon at the ice rink that had been decorated for their arrival. A total of 500 guests came out for the event, including the Premier of Saskatchewan. Students in the community were let out early for the visit so they could see the Queen visit their hometown. Arnie and Seth, who owned the property across from the arena where the Queen had lunch, would say, quote, This puts Lumsden on the map a little bit more and recognizes that Lumsden's a nice town. It's good for Lumsden as a whole. It brings some focus to it. End quote. If you'd like to learn more about the history of Lumsden, then you should check out the Lumsden Historical Museum. Not only does the museum itself feature a variety of artifacts dating to the pre-colonial era, all the way up to the 20th century, but the grounds have some very old buildings that you can explore. There is the Travaga Community Hall, which was built in 1890 and served as a rural school until 1907. From 1914 to 1925, it was used as the Presbyterian Methodist Church, and then as the United Church until 1952. The building was also home to the Curling Club, and it would hold its last community dance in 1980. In the early 1990s, it was moved to Lumsden. The Forest Church was built in 1897 and served the community's church needs until 1956, when the members joined the Lumsden United Church. The building was completely dismantled in 1993 and rebuilt at the museum site in 1996. It was then rededicated on September 20th, 1997, exactly 100 years after it opened. The Kettleston School was built in 1912 and served as a school for the community of Kettleston until 1963 when it became a community center. It would be moved to the museum grounds in 1988. The Hunter House was built in 1910 in Lumsden and was home to the local blacksmith before it was bought by the Hunter family in 1918, remaining in the family until 1990. It was moved to the museum site in 1993. Lastly, there is the Edwards Log House, which was built in 1902 by the Edwards family. The logs had been obtained south of Prince Albert and hauled to the homestead, and it stayed in the family until 2003 when the last son of Jack and Bessie Edwards died. It was moved to the museum site in 2009. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Lumsden, Saskatchewan. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to Canada ehx.com and clicking donate i'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons and i apologize if i get any names incorrect michael matthews joanna parker jeff doll vobs robert page richard d colin johnson jeff hershey kyle murray steve pakin matthew gartho lionel romaine dr bob turner an anonymous patron that i truly do appreciate randy hayden doug campbell reg w Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., JP Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.